Welcome to the Glorio Chat, the best anime podcast on the internet. We are getting into the final stretch of the winter 2023 season. Uh, it's it a little weird this episode because we're right on the border of where we would normally do our season preview, but it's still like a couple days too early the way the timing all goes. So <laughs> we're, we're gonna we're gonna be talking about our normal shows and a couple other things. We had some games we want to talk about. There's a new Sentai show out, all kinds of things going on. So we got a lot to talk about. Uh, so to introduce everybody, I'm Jell, joined by Iroh. I'm still here. I'm not dead yet. Hanging in there, still with us. We're joined by G. I thought Iroh was going to do it, so I guess I'll have to do it. Uh, fuck Ben Franklin. All my homies <laughs> hate Ben Franklin. <laughs> Ah, uh, yes. Us Americans are suffering from the terrible effects of daylight saving time jumping forward. Uh, forgive the lack of energy in my voice. Uh, yes, apologies if <laughs> three quarters of this podcast sound half dead. Yes, mm. that one hour is really killing us here, folks. <laughs> uh, big difference. Um, it might be the hangover. Well, you know, multiple factors. And we are joined by Zig. I'm from the future. <laughs> actually, I'm technically always from the future. Yes, you are always from the future. Yes, you're I'm actually one... from slightly less in the future at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Since the clocks have not changed here, so our time gap is reduced. When is that next hour. week? Two weeks? I think it's two weeks normally. Oh yeah. my goodness. So in our weird... Uh... I'm going to have to figure out D&D scheduling. Anyway. Yes, that's our, that's our problem for another day. Anyway, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. And you know, like I mentioned, there's a couple of anime-adjacent games we have been playing that we... I know at least I've been burning to talk about. We referenced uh-huh, this uh-huh. a little bit last episode. And um, Iroh, you actually wrote a review of wow. uh, a certain visual novel I that did. has been a long time coming to... Uh, English-speaking, yes. officially anyway, English-speaking yes, audience. The Type of Moon visual novel, uh, Witch on the Holy Night, a.k.a. Mahotsukai no Yoru, a.k.a. Mahoyo, uh, which came out in 2012. So it, It's weird because like in my head I still go, oh, that's the new game from Type Moon. Right. <laughs> uh, is, is that the last VN they ever did? Is that no, like the Sugimi remake came out two years ago. Or in 2021. Oh, did it? Well, the first half of the Tsukihime remake. (laughs) Okay. Point is... uh, It's the last, like, brand new one, though. Like, that's... Yeah. There's a lot of asterisks attached to that statement. Okay, fair enough. This came out in 2012 um, with no voices or anything. It's just a pure visual novel. There's no choices. It just... You just go, and it's the story. uh, And they re-released it in at the end of 2022 with voice work because they're also going to have a movie version uh that's supposed to come out this year who knows if that's happening but is um, that a ufo table join yes okay of course and uh it also got released internationally with english 
Amazing. Wow. And and just to be clear, this is not I I imported it from like Singapore no. or something like uh, that. This is uh, a... got it for me on on a regular Amazon yes. for Christmas. An honest uh, god American release. Yes, Amazon. Uh so it's so... weird because it's the first type moon visual novel main type moon visual novel to be localized, right? Like plenty of spin-offs and the animes have come over and such, but not the like main stuff. Right. We've never had Fate Stay Night. We never had uh, Tsukihime, right? Nope. So we got, multi, still... we got Melty Blood over here. <laughs> yeah, Melty Blood it, transcends it, language. Real, real quick, interesting. You mentioned there's no choices or roots on this. It's just no. a straight up read it and experience it. Yep. There situation. Yeah, there is a like comedy post game chapter that has choices, but it's that's like not the main story. Right, right. Um, so, did you go Paragonal Renegade? Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I just played it. Right, kick Gluvio out of the air taxi. Mm. Um, yeah. So, how does it feel playing a Type Moon property in 2023? Uh, this many years later, it's bizarre. Uh, I I wrote about it a bit in my review, and it, but it's like. When in the context of 2012, when there just wasn't that much Type Moon stuff, and especially not that much that was translated, um, this was like seemed way more interesting. But in the context of now, where Grand Order has subsumed everything, right, and it's right. all everything is sort of in service to Grand Order at this point. Or at least, or at least, it feels like it to me. Uh, then this this I think feels it's like a, a fair yeah. This feels like a weird, like disconnected uh, product. But also, that's maybe why it's good and relevant. Uh, maybe, but it just was odd, you know. I mean, did, how much connection does it have to? any of the other type moon stuff not or is it much, much standalone is the weird thing it is one of the more standalone ones i'd say which is to say okay. like it's characters who appear in it are characters who appear in other things and that's they're important there or not even that important they're you know characters show up elsewhere and such i mean it, it's it's, it's probably place closer to earliest. garden of sinners than anything else right yeah okay i'd say so which like Apologies to all of you Garden of Sinners stands out there, but I think it's fair to say it's probably one of the more obscure type moon properties at this point. It, yeah. It's it's been a long it's time movies. cult favorite for right. movies. Yeah. Right, yeah, but like like it has never it has never really kind of escalated beyond being a cult favorite, right? Whereas like Fate at least is mainstream now and Yes. I would say so. Tsukihime's um, profile has risen in recent years. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, because it's it's about um, the story of of Mahoyo is about uh, Aoko Aozaki, who is a character who is in Melty Blood. Most people know her for Melty Blood, probably. She is a minor character in Tsukihime who kind of shows up for five minutes at the start and is like a strange, mysterious person and then leaves. Right. And uh in the deeper lore, she's a very important character, but in ways that don't ever manifest in the main storylines generally. 
And so the the story of of uh, Witch on the Holy Night is like her origins, sort of like a uh, how she becomes like the the very earliest part of how she becomes the person who she is. Right, and and this is chronologically the earliest work in the quote unquote Nasuverse, right? Yes. If we if we exclude in, in all, more like, ways than one, right. But like, uh, if we exclude all like the flashbacks to like the heroic spirits stuff well, that, that happened count. in history yeah. and stuff, yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> right, uh, yeah, that that stuff, uh, yeah, so, and yes, my understanding is this takes place the chronologically and also in within the meta text of Kinoko Nasu writing things. Uh, this is, I believe, this is the first thing that he did. So. And then, like, he, like, banged this out and then was, like, tried to, looked looked around, tried to get it published, and it didn't really, nobody picked it up or whatever. Uh, but his friends were like, well, we can do something with this. And they sort of, like, branched off from there, right? And formed Type Moon, the Dojin Circle, and right. started making... So Garden Sinners and Tsukime and such. So does this predate even like Fate Prototype and all that early stuff? I believe so. Right, that's interesting. That's so, a little yeah. up in the air. Like I, I think like when when you have you know creatives, be they directors, you know artists, musicians, whatever, go back to these kind of like very early formative works and try and. Uh, kind of bring them into a more evolved form you can get kind of i i think there's a very wide range of results you can yeah get, right? it can go some ways yeah <laughs> yeah like uh yes <laughs> on the on the other hand you know nasu has always been very good at world building and like building those sort of connections between these right. works and it, it sounds like like the the way you say it, it sounds like that even if this thing was not published until 2012 it was always kind of part of the story in his head so to speak. yes there's like old in like art books and stuff the descriptions of these characters were still there and like referenced some of these events right like right uh, there's old illustrations from like their website from the late nineties, right? Back when they were just right. like Ocean Circle, yeah, yeah, uh, and right. stuff like that. So it's in- interesting. I gave me some perspective, right? Uh, and so, I mean, if you're the kind of person who wants to get into this stuff, start there. I think, but also mm-hmm, <laughs> maybe well, consider. I don't know. I, I thought. I thought. Being, you know, silly. Yeah. Yeah. It's based on what you've talked about, and you know, certainly taking you know, taking the text of your review, right? Like, mm-hmm. it does sound like in a lot of ways, this is a fairly uh, uh, pressure-free way to to learn about the Type Moon setting, right? Because yes. there is not the pressure of, you know, like because in a lot of ways, right? It's like you know, even if you watch, like you know. You know, obviously, many like, of the adaptations of Fate Stay Night are far more accessible than the original game at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, if you want to learn the story of UBW, you could just watch UFO Tables UBW TV series, right? You but at the end of the day, movie. 
But if you hate yourself. Yes. Uh, but but at the end of the day, right, they are all still sort of beholden to the reality of like, oh, well, this is one third of the story, and that story is itself one part of a grander whole, right? Yeah. And like, you know, and, you know, obviously Tsukihime is, at least for us Western, you know, players, not really that accessible either, you know, at least mm-hmm. not yet. Out of interest, so, like, sorry to interrupt you, but has there ever been a fan translation of Tsukihime? Not the, the remake, original, just like the, the original. The original, of course. Right, yeah. okay. You say of course, but like, it's a pretty major undertaking, yeah. obviously. Right. So. They so, did that before. They translated Fate. Right, sure. uh, Right, but yeah, so yeah, I guess in some regards, right, that does in fact make Mahoyo kind of the easy, like, if... if mm-hmm. If you if you look at Type Moon as a as a whole and you go, damn, that's for me. <laughs> yeah, it seems like Mohoyo is an is a, is a relatively easier way to get into it. I would say so. And also, like you shouldn't underestimate the power of just being able to go into a shop or click on a website and say, yeah. "Give me the thing." Like right, and that's why like you could just go Netflix and watch Fate. Right, right. But uh, I I do wonder, you know, if this is kind of like a toe in the water to see if um. Don't bring over Tsukihime because Mahoyo didn't sell well. Uh, <laughs> did, I mean, right, who knows? But, but, like, you know, but just as kind of like an experiment to see if the audience mm-hmm. is out there. Like, I mean, Tsukihime remake is the obvious thing to dangle. Um, yeah. And there, I mean, it's but... not like Fate is not popular in the States. No, absolutely uh, not. And, like, I was honestly quite shocked that you when you told me that it has never had a Western release. Like, I just assumed it was some sort of, like, limited time thing that they pulled after a while, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of of other VNs have gotten Mm -hmm. releases. It's kind of always surprised me that Fate, which actually has a pretty sizable following outside of Japan, has never been touched, but... Yeah, it's a it's just a little bizarre to replay that and have the the story just be like so magic. It's like this. This is how we do it here. This is how the magic works. This is why it works this way, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Which is all sort of stuff that like doesn't get fleshed out in that sort of detail right, anywhere yeah. else, right? Yeah, like, like I mean, everything everyone's pieced together. Like, we talk about accessibility, but, like, honestly, even the animated adaptations of Fate can occasionally be a bit confusing with some of that stuff. So, yeah. like, because, because, of course, they do not have the sort of context that you can build into, like, a hundred, hundred and fifty thousand exactly. word visual novel. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. It's, uh, it's out there. So, uh, it's good? Sure. Read my review. It? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. We'll, we'll, uh, Point everybody to go to theglorioblog.com and read Iroh's full review for the full... Uh, it's a good one. Mm-hmm. His full opinions, yeah. So, all right. I wanted to talk about a game I've been playing. I guess Mahoyo, it's questionable whether we would call that a game at this point, but we'll, we'll leave it it's as it is here. Yeah, like, let's not get into that one. <laughs> We're not going to get into that debate here. But, uh, yeah, so... Past couple of weeks, I've been playing uh, Labyrinth of Galeria, The Moon Society, now available on PlayStation, Nintendo Switch, and Steam. Mm-hmm. You've been talking quite a bit about this game. So I consider myself fairly online, but I haven't heard anything about this game aside from you. So give me Neither give me did I. I just happened to randomly see some screenshots of it and and I, I like a review or two, and 
it looked like what I would describe as what if the Disgaea people made a train odyssey. So it's, it's first person dungeon crawler, uh, with the art nightmarish. (laughs) Yeah. With, with the artwork of, uh, you know, the Disgaea team, it's all, it's all done by NIS Nipponichi. So I was going to say, is it actually the Disgaea team? Yes, it is actually the Disgaea people that are making this game. And I, I generally enjoy the Disgaea games. They're kind of, silly fun that first one broken. was a minor revelation the ones since then have been more of that so you know not in a bad way yeah you know. yeah and some of them are better than others but um yeah generally i like them so you know i've i've been in the mood for that kind of thing ever since i played 2021's cult classic uh dungeon encounters mm-hmm. i don't know how i've become this guy but i was like yeah you know what <laughs> that, that looks go. Yeah, you know, I was like, you know what, that looks pretty fun. I read a couple reviews, and they were like, this is a solid 8 out of 10, 50 hours experience, you know, fun stuff going on. Sure. I'm like, all right, that's good enough for me. I'll give it a shot. Um, I've discovered the, the reviews uh, perhaps did not do it justice. Uh, for one, I would describe the effect similar to when, if you guys remember when Nier Automata first came out and some of the reviews only covered ending A. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It was a very similar feeling to that because I found out uh, fifty hours is like the first half of the game. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that um, sounds a bit short for an NIS RPG. Yeah. So. Like I don't want to spoil anything, but there's a massive what I would s- describe as a reboot of the game after that point, and it's you are definitely not done with the game at that point. Um. There's that, and I feel like perhaps the reviews undersold how good the story is, which surprised me a lot, because usually you're not playing these games for the story. Yeah, like, right. like, yeah, I would... like Jill, I, I was actually curious, because, I mean, you know, we've, we've, we've seen you talking about a lot about the game itself, right? The the dungeon crawling and the, the sheer, like, sprawling depth of it, but I don't know if I actually still have a good handle of what the actual story is in this game. Yeah. So again, it's like I kind of don't want to spoil too much, but oh, of course, of course. But well, well, first of all, just uh, on the on the kind of mechanics note, yes, there's a lot of crunchy stuff to do with numbers and all kinds of creating your characters and building your teams that can have up to forty people on them. It's wild. <laughs> um, that that stuff is fun, although I kind of f- am finding the game kind of too easy, even on hard mode. Hmm. So, okay. spoken like too, a uh, true RPG freak. Look, I, I'm not trying to like flex or anything. I'm just saying that uh-huh. even though there's a lot of game mechanics, you don't necessarily have to engage with a lot of them. Right. And that's kind of like that's kind of like a hit or miss because in some ways it's so complicated. I almost don't. I'm kind of glad I don't have to. But also, like <laughs> you know, they're there. Right? Is there like some super hardcore mode that you unlock? Do you think or something like there's, that? There's so far I have only seen there's a there's like an easy normal medium uh, easy normal and hard and i'm i've been playing in the hard mode and i still think it's a little easy but the point is i guess the mechanical stuff which i was have been enjoying has kind of been supplanted by the story for me of like why i'm really enjoying this game and so as far as what it's about the setting is what i would describe as french revolution (laughs) okay um okay it is not actually france it is fake fantasy well, europe yes. of course <laughs> but there's you know eating the rich and guillotines getting or nobles getting guillotined you know that kind of stuff oh yeah there's there's Man, a lot of you know, 
civil unrest as, you know, class warfare is opening up between the rich and the poor and all that. And the that's kind of like the big picture. And then it kind of is more focused specifically on uh, the sort of historical mistreatment of women and their roles in society. Dang. Uh, Very shocking, I will say. No, I was shocked that there was actual, like, meat to this story. And the... It's kind of told through the idea of, you know, there's these witches that have, you know, magical powers and, you know, historically witches have often, you know, been representative of perhaps women not conforming to society. And yes, all that. you could say that. And so, yeah, if we're, that's kind of, well, that's kind of what they're going for, right? Is right. That, that idea. And, and the witches are of different ages, different standings, which leads to them all having different problems that are all very real problems that women have to put up with. This is like and all of your character, all of your party members or your characters are, are witches. No. So your party are like your kind of created characters that don't have any personality. They're like literally puppets, but mm-hmm. the the main characters in the story part are okay. are like are witches basically. Um that's the easy explanation. And um it's it's not 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 only is it like kind of impressive that they're going for those kinds of themes, but like the the storytelling is very like we we love our show don't tell kind of storytelling, you know. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the things there's some there's some really awful things that happen, and they're they're kind of terrifying in a way uh, that's different because they're not like over the top cartoonish stuff. It's like things that are like kind of real. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll give one example of what I'm talking about. Um, wh- one of the main girls is, you know, young teenage witch. Uh, she's like this, um, snarky foul mouth shut in that lives in one of the other girl, the main girl's <laughs> attic. Uh-huh. And, um, so the one, you know, she, the, the one who's going to get uh, all the figures then. <laughs> Yeah, right. But uh, yeah, so she, she you know, if you if you if you look at her character design, she's like slumped over with terrible posture. She's wearing a hoodie and covered in head to oh, toe. Oh, she, she's I the think. one in the hoodie. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you guys have seen that, seen some of the screenshots I've shared. You know, very very unsexy, but you know she can't hide the fact that she has a curvy body. Uh huh. Uh-huh. They okay. they at first they kind of make some of the usual anime jokes about it. Like the other girl being like, "Oh, I wish I had big boobs like you and all that," uh-huh. but it's a it's a setup. They're setting oh, you up. Man. <laughs> oh shit! The FBI are about to bust in. Am I about to regret my words and deeds? <laughs> they're, they're, yes, they're 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 going to make you feel bad about it because she basically gets constantly sexually harassed and not as a joke oh, throughout geez. the okay. throughout the game. Um, like it's it's like kind of like disturbing and heavy and. Like there's one particular and it, like again, it's in a way that's like kind of more like realistically underhanded than like cartoonish, you know, evil type of things. So like mm-hmm. there's this one bit where one of the girls drags her out of the house. They have to go to like to the, the the big warehouse thing to get some stuff, and they have to talk to the guy that manages the warehouse. And he's just kind of like creepy. He's kind of creepy looking middle aged man guy, and but you know everything's normal. He gets the stuff and everything. And like on the way out, he's like, 
uh, oh, that's a very, you know, interesting uh, hoodie thing you're wearing. You know, if I if I could take your measurements, I could probably, you know, make a make a new one for you or whatever. Mm. And no, thanks. And like, it, it's just on the borderline of like something that almost sounds like a normal thing to say, but it's also just enough where you're like, OK, this is this is creepy and uncomfortable. Well, I mean, that's the point, right? Yes. Is that yeah. it's like that type of harassment is about prodding at your your borders, right? It's a sort of thing of like, if you get visibly and audibly indignant, the guy can just back off and be like, whoa, hey, take it easy. Yeah. I was just asking a question, you know? Cause yep, and that's, that's kind yeah. of exactly what happens where she's like, you know, hey, back off, dude. And he's like, yeah, well, whatever. It's exactly, and those are things that I, you know, my friends tell, my, my friends who are women tell me about that. My, yeah. my sisters tell me about things like that happening. Like that's like, stuff that really happens and you know this this girl doesn't normally go out in part because of this uh, like she mm-hmm. even says so like after they leave uh you know she's been like you know kind of snarky and completely unflappable this whole time but after they leave and you know she plays it off and tries to be cool or whatever uh they get further down the road and she kind of breaks down crying and she's like you know this is why i can't go out or whatever and, and she they never like explain any further but you can piece together everything that's going on like yeah and that's just kind of one of many scenes like that with her and a lot of the other characters you know you know women dealing with you know getting older uh having to you know pressure to have children all kinds of different you know stages of life and the things that they have to put up with and i was just shocked that all of this was happening in in this <laughs> in your, game. In your anime dungeon crawler. I mean, it, yeah, yeah my I, anime I, dungeon I, crawler. I almost wish this was like a story was put in a different video game because I kind of <laughs> want to experience this <laughs> now. But I just I'm not built like that. I can't I can't explore first person dungeons for eighty hours. I'm not kind of uh, it ain't me. <laughs> kind of supposing that this is coming from NIS as well, who's. Oh, have a history of games that are perhaps guilty of indulging in anime tropes more. Okay, yeah, that, so that's that's the other thing. Like, y- you're right, G. Like, they're kind of known. The games themselves aren't too bad, but they're usually embraced by, you know, the type of people that are like, you know, Japan doesn't have gay people, those kind of people, right? Like, I mean, and they I mean, certainly they certainly pander to the hardcore otaku crowd, a right? Little bit. And yeah, that's that's, that's and not so. Yeah, and so like not only do we have like those themes but there's also like um other things that do like there are gay people there are there's a there's a non-binary job class you can pick (laughs) uh there's one bit where um there's a very explicitly transgender character whose plot is about being transgender uh and it's it's not a joke um so like I was just overall just surprised how like woke complimentary I guess <laughs> <laughs> everything you know, was from 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 uh, you know in a genre that is traditionally not, not that right yeah, yeah. I, I I guess yeah. like I, I'm not the most like well versed on NIS games like I mainly play Disgaea one and two um I mean that's I a fairly solid template. that tells you a lot yeah yeah, yeah. I, I guess it's like it is that thing of like. You know, I mean, obviously, it sounds like this is like operating on a, a, a on a different, higher level of like, you know, I don't know, narrative sophistication, I guess, for lack of a better term. But yes, I will say it's like, I the thing I do remember about playing both Disgaea One and Two is like those games could occasionally 
dip into getting kind of real. Yes. It's just that absolutely. like they there it's a thing that I even noticed as a kid playing those games is like both one and two would occasionally dip into okay jokes aside like this is how these characters actually feel and like this is yeah. what they're going yeah. through and like those are the moments where i'd be like i go yes no actually do tell me more about like why laharl or whatever that dude's name <laughs> is feeling his sense of inadequacy as like the next demon lord or whatever but then that scene would last like eight minutes and then it's back to like like anime hijinks and yeah. <clears throat> It's interesting yeah. then to hear about this game where maybe the balance of the ratio is starting to swing in the other direction, or, or maybe just it's starting to equalize. Yeah, no, you're, you're that's a completely accurate and something that I also noticed. Um, where this 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 is definitely a much more uh, mature method of storytelling um, than the disguise series. You know, if that's the the rated T for teen kind of goofy <laughs> fun thing that occasionally gets serious. This is a very adult, you know, type of, you know, mature story, um, that, which at least based on the screenshots I've seen though, is still more than willing to get goofy at times. Right. It's, th- yeah. Uh, there are some weird things out of context for sure. Um, and, and yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not all like dour, serious stuff. Like there's some, I mean, that donkey said that he'll fucking kill you. So Yes. Uh, that was a very funny, but but yes, in terms of balance, there's less less of those and more of the serious stuff, and then you kind of break it up with some of the funny stuff. So it's a it's a different balance for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, I really enjoy, I've really been enjoying it. I will say, as I'm trying to finish the game, and I'm about eighty five hours in, it is perhaps dragged out a little too long, like a little bit, a little bit. Um, but um, just the 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 way they've been able to use some very mature themes, uh, the big twist in the middle that again I don't want to spoil any details, but it's completely reboots everything, and then they kind of bring everything back together again. But um, it's it's just been a, a it's completely shocked me the whole experience, and I've been very much enjoying it. One thing I will say is that they could really do with a better title because that current one is kind of just Mad Libs anime RPG. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Labyrinth of Galeria, the Moon Society. You know, the uh, na- noun, does, colon, noun. Uh, yes. Does not really tell you. Well, there is literally a labyrinth in Galeria Manor yes. and there is a Moon Society and that <laughs> doesn't really tell you much. Sometimes you need to employ a little bit of artful description perhaps but i'm glad you know i i think that it's great whenever genuine surprises like this bubble up you know and certainly it's on my radar now where i hadn't even heard of it before so that that's always always a fun one yeah yeah so we'll see hopefully they don't ruin the ending that's the last Mm. the only part i'm worried about uh and it's in a position where they could do some things that would possibly ruin things with the ending but listen, <laughs> oh, well i'm getting there keep this up i'm getting there so mm-hmm. for now though on this podcast recorded on tape it's great yeah so all right all right um what's up next in the gaming no corner well speaking the, of the uh, least surprising good game <laughs> <laughs> zig you've been playing uh the metroid prime remaster yeah, yo, you know Metroid Prime? They remastered it. Wow. 
Wow. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, joking aside, like, it is very much one of those ultra faithful remasters, right? right? Like, it, it has been, they've completely redone all the graphics. Like, it's all new textures, all new lighting, mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff. Looks lovely, looks great, you know. Um, but it plays pretty much exactly like that game always played. Um, right. This, of this, is not a, this, this, this is not a Dead Space remake situation. No, this is a one-to-one like, remake of the original. Yeah, and I mean, as somebody who has played GameCube Metroid Prime a bunch, this feels exactly like that. I bet the same skeleton of a game is running underneath it, you know. Um, yeah. A cu- couple of minor things, you know. Um, obviously, the, the big thing was this... Uh, the graphical upgrade, um, the control upgrade. So the default control scheme is just a standard um, twin stick, you know, Halo style controls now. Uh, left trigger locks on, right trigger shoots. Um, there are all sorts of funky control schemes you can have. You can go back to the original GameCube one. It will work with GameCube controllers if you have. The <laughs> yeah, right. Um, it yeah. has it has the uh, pointer controls from the uh, Wii re-release. Um, it's got gyro, baby. Yeah, oh. all of that. This is um, as far as I can tell. This is based on the trilogy version, which means that it's mostly based on the revised version that was released in Europe and Japan, as opposed to the original uh, American version. Which means, you know, there's a couple of minor changes. They patched a few things to stop speedrunning glitches and changed some of the scans. But um, it's it's mostly still that game and. Um, I think it's really fascinating in this day and age, you know, that just how absurdly sort of counter-focused group that game is. It's (laughs) very slow. There's a lot of backtracking, um, especially if you turn off the hint system, which, you know, I did. um, But also I know that game fairly well. I don't have any judgment on people who choose to play with it on um but you know it's kind of like it's a game which values patience and thorough exploration and you know good memory um i will say that it might have been nice if they had added some stuff like the ability to like make notes on the map or something like that to remind you of where pickups and stuff are but none of that's in there um it's still a truly, truly fantastic game. I mean, I, I don't think there's really anything more needs to be said. It is the platonic ideal of how you could take Metroid and put it into a modern third-person world, you know. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is a very faithful remaster. It looks lovely. You know, it plays perfectly well. Like, it's not as huge an upgrade as you would expect because A, original Metroid Prime still looks pretty good. Like, and B, it yeah. always ran at 60 frames per second. So, um, but yeah, it, it's really nice. It's still a great game. I, I think perhaps I appreciate it even more now just because of how different it is from a lot of modern games. I have to say, I always appreciate when a, a classic gets a new way for people to experience it, like it li- it can live on, right? Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, prior to this, what would you have to get, like, the Wii one or something? Like, I Well, don't know what the like last... there's a whole combination of stuff. Like, the GameCube one, obviously, you need a GameCube. The Wii one 
has been out of print for years and is actually the trilogy re-release is actually fairly rare is my understanding it was a limited print run thing Mm -hmm, Um, right and also you know not many people still have a wii kicking about or even a wii u hooked up yeah um this is just a great way for that game to get back out to a bunch of people you know Um, yeah and you know there have been ways to play metroid prime in this fashion if you want to dink around with emulators and stuff for a long time but like we were saying with mahoyo there is a there is a lot of um value to just something you can go into a store or onto a website and say give me that and it's there you know right Um, it's like if you know if my nephew who never was not alive when gamecube was out wanted to play it someday i can play it right like it's it's this this it's always good to see this was definitely uh, one of the games where i was like isn't it too soon for Metroid Prime to have a remaster? Like it's not an oh, it's not an old game. It's been what twenty years? Twenty one years. Twenty one uh, yeah, years yeah. old. So I was like, Yikes. oh, yeah, that's one of those. Oh wait, didn't Super Metroid come out twenty years ago? Yeah, yeah. Not not God. not yeah. Prime, right? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. but yes, you know, I I think that I would be fascinated to hear somebody who is like somebody much younger than us, obviously, who has never really played the game before, because it yeah. is hostile by modern standards <laughs> yeah the, i would say right you know a lot of the modern um, expectations are yeah, not and, there right and i would say you know it, it shows its age in subtle ways like i said there's the lack of mod cons like annotatable maps um you know you definitely notice how relatively compact the world is going back through it there's not a lot of big open spaces or anything like that but also you know that is part of the charm of the game right it is this very tight maze of of passages and tunnels and hidden objects and power-ups and all that kind of thing you know it's not like open world with a lot of dead space kind of thing yeah no it it is um and and you know it has that tremendous atmosphere you know the sense of isolation the sense of kind of like uh man or woman against nature um yeah it also has like a robot cyborg space dragon so you know it's still pretty mm-hmm. good that's what i'm saying pretty yeah. pretty great but yeah, yeah you know i mean i will probably write a review of it but um if you like metroid prime you should get this if you don't i i, I would be really interested to to see what new people new to metroid particularly the 3d metroids make of this one but it's a very very worthy way to play that game yeah all right all right Sounds anything else good. in the gaming no corner? Yeah, I could talk did? about I could talk about some video games. Okay. Um, what do you have in mind, G? Yeah, you, you know, I've, I've been playing a lot of games lately, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot I could talk about, you know, like uh, you know, Hi-Fi Rush, which dominated mm-hmm. my my February, a very pleasant, very you know, a very, very good, good character action game, maybe one of the best I've ever played. So I've heard. I could talk about. Mm-hmm. Phantom Brigade, a uh, mecha mm. strategy game that uh-huh. uh, falls short of the dreams of what I wish it could have been. But this is an anime podcast, yeah, and so I think it's important to keep it keep it on topic. Um, I've been pretty depressed lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, that's on topic. <laughs> yes, I started playing Blue Archive. <laughs> 
Oh my god. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> the the what the bunny girl ship game? Did you intentionally not tell me about this for the so we could do drop it on the podcast? Yes. Excellent. I, okay. I I I don't know what Blue Archive is. You realize I was like top one hundred on Blue Archive like, for what? a stretch. Yes. <laughs> I stopped playing it so, since, but... Blue Archive is, is another one of them, sh- like, Cancale types, right? No, you no, are probably it's... thinking of Azur Lane. Uh, uh, Blue they, Archive... Look, Blue, Azur, it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Blue Blue Archive is another... Uh, what is it? Is it... It's more... It's more girls uh, frontline adjacent, but uh, the girls yes. aren't actually guns. Yes, it's, it's another one of those Chinese anime um, gotcha games. Um, yes, it's sort of akin to girls frontline of you are collecting and raising uh, cute girls with guns. Oh, so it's just um, like Metroid Prime then. Yeah, exactly. Um, In a way. You know, the the main difference between, say, a to use, because I'm a man of very limited gotcha frame of reference to compare it to, say, a girls frontline or, or Arknights, uh, Blue Archive is much lighter. It is much. Uh, it's very uh, easy to keep up with. It's very fluffy. Yeah. You know the designs yeah. are like, you know, if Girls Frontline is like, you know, slutty tactical girls with guns, and <laughs> Arc Knights is fashionable tactical girls with guns. Uh, Blue Archive is just cute school girls with guns. So you're just freebasing regular cocaine as opposed to crack, then. Um, <laughs> Maybe the other way around, I don't know, but So, perhaps. I... The reality is, okay, the reason I started playing Blue Archive is because I saw a girl named Salary, who is a cool-looking lady who looks like she belongs more in Ark Knights than Blue Archive. This might be after my time. I didn't realize uh, this podcast was becoming a a confessional. And uh, I was like, damn, that girl is looking fine. I guess I'll check out this Blue Archive game. (laughs) And uh, I don't know. Yeah, I've I've been playing it for the last couple of weeks. It's, uh, you know, like, I'll actually be totally real. Like, it's kind of been the release valve of, like, all the other games I've been playing, right? Because Hi-Fi Rush is very in the zone, intense, 100% brain power, right? Like, it is nailing your perfect parry timings. You know, now that I'm, like, replaying the game for, like, the fourth time on, you know, the next difficulty, like, it's 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 sort of like, you know, it requires a lot of focus, right? Phantom yeah, Brigade, yeah. again, tactics game, like, you know, lot heavy heavy customization, again, lots of brainness required. Yeah. Um, Blue Archive is very light. It's very low commitment, right? Like it's the it's it it is one of those gotcha games that almost knows that it will never be your main one and that it exists <laughs> to be your side piece. Right. Because yep. it has all these like mechanics of like, hey, have you beaten a mission before? You could just skip it. Like you could just yep. it, it's you don't have to grind it ever again. Just press this button and we will simulate you having done this mission five times in a row. Yeah, you could do your um, daily stuff in like ten minutes, right? Yeah, like it's exactly. It's, it's super, yeah. super low commitment. But also, I gotta be real, I'm kind of enjoying the story and characters. Like I I look at these like they, fucking doe-eyed schoolgirls and they're, you know, going, oh boy, I love is... ice cream. And 
some of it is genuinely funny. Like, yeah, and so that's my- a thing, right? I look at these girls and I go, all right, is it just going to be like uh, some slice of life chaos shit, right? And then it's like the first storyline in the game that you as a new player play is like, you're like a your your role in this world is that you're a school advisor because in the world of Blue Archive, schools are akin to militarized nation states, and so right. each school right. has its own territory and self-sustaining economy. But in a cute the, way, in a cute way, yes. And the students are the enlisted military of each of these schools, yeah. and you play as a neutral student advisor. <laughs> Who is uh, just, you know, that is their excuse for why you're just walking around helping out a bunch of schoolgirls with You guns. people are talking like you've been inducted into a cult. Like, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> and so, like, the first plot line is you get sent to uh, the school that is like the Amaishi uh comically poor school like the, <laughs> shanty we, town. Yeah, the shanty town we live in cardboard boxes school where, like, this school used to be one of the main contenders, but went, like, hundreds of millions of, I don't know what their currency is, double dollars into debt. And uh, right. as a result, all of the students have fled that school and defected, except for five remaining, who believe that if they just ganbare their way to the top, they can earn the hundreds of millions of dollars owed to pay off the debt for the school. And the very first, like, story is, like, you're attending their brainstorm session for how are we going to save the school? And the three suggestions put forth by three of the students is A, rob a bank. (laughs) B, invest in a pyramid scheme. And C, hijack a bus full of students from a different school and press gang them into becoming students of our school. (laughs) Is Is that what the gotcha pull is? Not quite, but oh. missed it's opportunity like, there for sure. Right, I know, right? Uh, but uh, it's it's just like I don't know. It's like I the thing I would say about Blue Archive that it does surprisingly well that surprised me and 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 caught me off guard and had me going. Oh, actually, I kind of dig this. Is uh, it engages in my preferred form of D and D, which is dipshits and dirt mm-hmm. bags. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, That is kind of every character in Blue Archive, every character you could pull in the gotcha Blue Archive can be categorized as some form of either dipshit or dirtbag. And it just depends where on that XY spectrum (laughs) they exist on that characterizes them. And it's just the reality, but of course they are also cutesy schoolgirls because you got to get the whales that way. But in terms of their mm-hmm. actual characterization, I went, oh, like, okay, here's the character who is like, ha ha, she's an anime glutton. She just likes to eat. And then it later explains, that's why she belongs to a terrorist organization <laughs> whose goal <laughs> is to cause as much mayhem and chaos as possible as a distraction so they can sneak into, like, fine dining places and eat their food. Oh. And it's like, well, right. <laughs> tell As me more, do. I guess. No. So yeah, uh, it's 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 a it's a lot of um, it's a lot of lighthearted fun. I also find the the battles, like the animations and stuff, strangely satisfying. 
the like yeah, it's it's the, the it's the something about seeing a little anime girl blasting someone's head with a shot off with a shotgun is very mm-hmm. entertaining but yeah and generally the sense of humor i'll just share my favorite joke okay. uh i think i think the I think the girl's name is it Smoogie? She's like the the girl that looks like a zombie, basically. Oh, her, yes, 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 with the with the shotgun. Yes. So, so you you can they fill in the story with you basically like Discord messaging the girls, right? Okay. And you you get a message from her. It, it sounds like zombie talk. It's like that, right? Just like okay, random yeah. letters or whatever. She's eating with her like. No, she kind of talks like that. I don't know why, but she oh, okay. kind of is a zombie. I don't know. No, but they never really explain that, but. So, but but she'll have moments of lucidity where she talks normal. So, like, yeah, in the Discord chat, it's just like random letters, just noises or whatever. And then after a second, it's like, oh, sorry, that was supposed to go to somebody else. Yeah, <laughs> it's right. just normal. Oh, wrong chat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, wrong chat. <laughs> sorry, wrong chat. <laughs> so it has a very good it has a very uh, good sense of humor. Yeah, no, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's that weird thing of like, yeah, I did not think I could be a two gotcha person, but Blue Archive makes it extremely easy. So yeah, that has been well, a thing. That once again our, our once again our gotcha playing does not line up. G, I'm I'm too, I, I don't know, I know I'm right. Too, <laughs> Too ahead of the curve here, or what? But, no, uh, I mean I am I am years late to the party, right? Blue Archive yeah. has been out since like last year. It's just that, I mean, it, so it's it, so I mean, like I don't know, not to like turn this into like a, an actual topic, but it's like it's that thing though of like I did not bother with the game because I didn't like its art style, right? Yeah. Like, like look, I I know I am the girls with gun aficionado, but like I looked at all these designs and it's like it wasn't even like girl with a gun and she looks kind of badass. It was literally like your most like basic ass like you know, slice of life Moe show archetype, but she's yeah. got a gun, you know? And it was not until they started releasing characters who are meant to now fill the cool girl archetype that I right. started paying attention. The cool girl, and, you say. And that's why I yeah. picked up the game and then later, like, met some of these girls that I had, to, I had completely written off because of their design and it was like oh wait no you're actually hilarious shit my bad I, I sorry for judging a book by its cover I guess <laughs> yeah well uh gee I'm hesitant to say I'm glad you've fallen down this dark hole with me <laughs> I <don't> but think <laughs> that's... <laughs> I did open this up by saying I'm depressed. That's why I started no, playing. I totally, I totally understand it. The pie, you know, I totally understand it. I am the gotcha guy on the Gloria blog. <laughs> I have. I'm not judging at all. I've already, as I said, I was top 100 in that game. I've been Jeez. there. So, what you mean like the you know, raids? Like in the PvP? Oh, oh, you're a PvP guy. Jeez, okay. I was, I was, I was top 100 in PvP on there. Yeah. All right. So I I totally get it, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I yeah, I will it, say the last thing I'll say in hindsight. Did Bochi the Rock help prepare my brain mentally for this? Oh, maybe because like Bochi to- the Rock is the I same. Didn't think deal. about that. I didn't right, think about like, that, but there's definitely a connection there. Right, because yeah. Bochi is a similar sh- case of, like, I don't care about these character designs. They look lame and generic to me. And then you watch the show, and you go, oh, wait, no, these four generic-looking schoolgirls are actually the funniest characters in any anime this year. Yeah. Yeah, they might, maybe. That's it's kind of a similar, uh, similar idea there, for sure. 
a very flattering comparison for Bochi the Rock, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think it's as funny as Bochi, but the, the, the idea of the designs kind of turning us off at first, right? But Right. All right. We'll have to catch up more on that later, G. Talk shop. I don't. I, mean, I, I might need on. to add you as a friend so I can clear these high-level raids with somebody else's uh, much yeah. more developed character. Although I'm a little, I'm a little rusty because I haven't played in a year. But we'll, we'll talk enough. about that. So, all right. One more thing before we get to anime. Uh, yeah. There's a new Sentai show, apparently, huh? Yeah, there is uh, indeed. So, yeah. Oh, so is Osama Sentai King Ode? King Ocher? Yes, Ocher. you know, which you okay. could, which, you know, if you're feeling ungenerous, you could translate as King Sentai King Ranger, but, uh, <laughs> you know. Yes. Um, yes, it's that time of year again. Uh, Don Brothers was bad. That was last year's show. They had the uh, two CGI Rangers, which was. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Not a good choice, now. I don't think. Uh, so this show is. Interesting. Interesting. It like they've gone way more like fantastical than they normally do, seemingly. Um and I should point out we've only seen one episode. Uh an episode is airing will have aired the morning that we record this, but you know, we haven't seen that yet. Um but there's a lot of um yeah, like this is set on a parallel world, seemingly. Uh there's like a whole lot of green screen. Like, uh, I read that they're doing a lot of the kind of like wraparound virtual set stuff that um, they do on like The Mandalorian and stuff, except hmm. obviously this looks way better than The Mandalorian. Um, <laughs> and it's much more interesting. But um, Damn. Yeah, no, it, it's, um, you know, it's very frenetic, as you would expect. Um, there's some extremely cool robot fights and the robot is a giant dude in a suit again which is what's important and people are throwing like bits of building from off camera and it has all the like good Sentai shit that you want and less perhaps of the horrible like cheapo cheap stuff as opposed to the fun cheap stuff so it it seems like it might be fun it's so hard to tell after one episode right because they're always like super fast paced like get all the toys out uh commercials yeah. basically but but i've got a good feeling about this one at least <laughs> isn't the um like the plot a little more complex than usual on this one it seems like it yeah i mean it depends I mean, it's still a kid like, show, right? yeah but right like, um yeah like it it they're doing a lot more world building than usual right um because it is set in a parallel world there's like five parallel kingdoms and like each one of them is ruled by a king or queen who is also one of the rangers except for the kingdom represented by the red ranger because that king turns out to be evil so a common peasant we think so far has instead become the Red Ranger, and, you know, he is every Red Ranger ever. He's effervescent. He's a goody two-shoes. He's kind of annoying. Um, But they seem to be, like, trying hard to build some sort of mythos with this thing so so far. Um, It'll be interesting to see how deep they choose to go in that direction. Um, Because, you know, 
for better or worse, Super Sentai is normally a pretty basic premise thing. So yeah, um, right. But they're trying, it's, and it, it it's definitely got a different vibe from some recent shows. The, the Game of Thrones of Super Sentai. <sighs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, hey, me. I mean, I look, I mean, the Red Wedding is already thematically appropriate, so uh-huh. you know. But yeah, yeah um, it, it's hard to say. You know, I mean, the one thing that is for sure is that this first episode had, like, by Sentai standards, clearly a massive budget, and it's going to be interesting to see how they transition from this episode, which was like almost all on green screens and had like a lot of CGI. Which, to be clear, the CGI is still bad. But it's also expensive in a way that you can't go throwing it around. It's going to be interesting right. how they handle the transition from that into we must have a fight at these three Tokyo landmarks where we all just <laughs> film the fights and all. They'll get back to the quarry somehow. Yeah, they'll right? get back to that quarry. You yeah. know, although they have been using the quarry less in recent years because there are less practical explosions. To which I say, boo. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, like. <sighs> I don't know. I I think that setting an entire series in like a parallel world Magic Kingdom is way beyond the ability of a show of Super Sentai's budget (laughs) and ambition. I I bet you that they will have, they will East Kai to Earth like a few episodes in. Okay, Eero, but hear me out. Mm. What if instead... Yes. A dude does such a fucking sick trick on a motorcycle. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He gets Isekai oh, into the yeah, world yeah. of the Sentai. <laughs> yeah. And he oh, becomes the sixth ranger. You can't yeah. get into Tomino Power. <laughs> I know, I know. Power in and haven't even... I mean, look, there is a fairly high chance that will be what happens with the sixth ranger anyway. Also, uh, the, the mech this time is piloted by one person, and it has, like, a weird exoskeleton that's kind of like a cross between the Moros Trace system from G Gundam and like that robot boxing film with Hugh Jackman that I always can't remember. Real Steel! Yeah, that's it. Thank you, G. Uh, I know Uh, I can always rely on you to remember the name of a horrifyingly bad but obscure movie. Um, Look, it's got robots in it. With robots punching each other. It's... it's, It feels fresh, and like that might just be because we haven't been watching for a year because yeah. again, Don Brothers was bad. But it definitely seems like they're going for something. You know, it's it's a third like the head writer. It's the first time uh, he's he's like run a show. The mm-hmm. lead director directed Ryu Soldier from a couple of years ago, which wasn't my personal cup of tea, but did have very stylish mech battles. Right. So, what I re- what I recall from Ryu Soldier is that like the action and especially the robot directing was really cool, and the writing was not good. Yes. Yeah, that was basically it. So, yeah, we'll see. You know, but but I'm I feel very optimistic about it. Like I'm excited to see where they go with it, and. I, I think I'm more excited about it than I because like the two series before the last one were both fun, but also in a very clear oh we are really kind of like scraping the barrel here. What were those? Uh, it was Kira uh, Major, Major and, and uh, Zenkaija. Zenkaija, God, right? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yes. So so yeah, you know I'm I'm excited. I will be. Uh, 
following along for a bit at least yeah. you know i mean the thing is the thing we always say about super sentai and carmen rider to a lesser extent is that these shows are so formulaic that they live and die by the small details things like the individual character interactions and stuff and so we will have to get a few episodes in and see where they're going with that before we can really put put a bow yeah. on it there yeah, yeah. Did you have anything to add, Iro? No, that's, you've been watching. that's pretty much that's pretty much the thing. You guys are uh, both pretty. You guys are both pretty positive on it. Yeah, I'm so I'm, far. Yeah, I'm interested in where it goes because yes, like the whole setting thing is not sustainable. <laughs> um, right. So, yes, Isekai yeah. seems imminent, but we'll see. Okay. Well, we'll we'll check on on that later. We got a whole year, yep. right? Uh huh. So we'll see we how that sure goes. Do. <laughs> all right let's get to some anime yeah, wow. we, got an- we got anime to talk Ugh. about um, yeah right. uh quick quick uh programming note i am still watching Bufori. it came back for one episode after their covid break but like almost nothing happened and for time i said let's just talk about it later but i am still watching Fair it enough. did not drop it moving on moving on speaking of another show that came back from covid yes yeah uh, near, Auto- near automata Yes. Yes. Nier Automata version 1.1a, mm-hmm. uh, which continues to be a sort of, I guess, interesting companion piece to the game here. Yeah. I will say yeah. that uh, I have gone from being skeptical about this show to being generally quite impressed by it. Um, yeah. So the first episode, they actually, I was kind of surprised they devoted an entire episode to this to the flashback yeah we got the we got the yorha stage play yes for the yorha stage play basically Pearl harbor mission um and yeah that was the whole episode was that uh as lily telling the story of uh you know what happened mm-hmm. um and i guess ultimately <laughs> that's like the origin of a2 right because they're yes. setting up her coming into the story yep yeah very um, weird to hear, like, super perky anime girl. I know, very like, Genki A2. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, I thought it was, it was a solid episode. I thought it was a solid episode. I, yeah, I really yeah, liked no, it. I, I, it's it's one of those things of, like... Uh, the thing I was talking about with, with Era when we watched it is, like, in a lot of ways, we didn't necessarily need to see this moment in the game, right? Like, the, the Yorha... Right sort of, like, in you know, for context, in the video game near Automata, you don't really get a cutscene showing A2's backstory, right? You get a, you get a text log that is basically a, like, um, what's the word? A, uh... Exposition? I guess, like, a... T- yeah, like a text version of the, the Yorha stage play, right? Mm-hmm. And, right. um... And you don't even really have to read it, right? Like, it's just... No, no, it's kind of just there to give, like, some... Thing, yeah. It's, it's yeah. just kind of just gives some texture to why what drives a2 as a character in in the game right and and how that connects to you know her her relationship with the resistance right and it's one of those things of like it's an important part of to to a certain character and thus you know there's some interesting background there but you didn't necessarily need it to appreciate near automata right and in a lot of ways the anime because it is a non-interactive medium can actually more get away with this type of flashback episode, right? right? Because something like this would break up the pace of gameplay in a video game, right? And, and it's like, hey, stop stop for 20 minutes to watch this cutscene. But And to kind of add on to that, I mean, the thing we were asking about this show 
when it began was why does this exist you know what what purpose does this fulfill and i think i found one which is you know to color outside the edges of the story told in the game right to like add context and sort of a bit more depth to some of the things which the game partially deliberately partially because of its nature as a game sort of glossed over a bit right so a few episodes back we had kind of a bit more backstory for pascal here we have kind of like some setup stuff for lily and also for a2 you know and so by telling those stories that are sort of hinted at or backgrounded in the game and sort of bringing them forward i think they've actually found a niche where this show is has a purpose you know beyond yeah. the simple retelling of yeah. the video story and, and there's a lot of fun details there that like because the nature of video games is that you are sort of like viewing the perspective of your player character, you have a specific perspective on the story that is being presented to you. Whereas with the anime, it could kind of get away with like, yeah, the anime can in fact show you what did the other Yorha units look like in that flashback, right? Like we're not, we don't just meet, you know, the android that, that eventually becomes A2. We also meet... um you know, I forget their exact numbers, but so the, the like other number twenty-one and yeah, yeah, and, the other the other Yorha, right? And like her, yeah. it's sort of that fun detail, right? Of like you know, if that if if you're a you know a fan of the game, you know that all Yorha units of the same number are based off of the same uh, build of Android, right? That is why A two and two B look identical, right? And it's like, oh, right, so like you know, you see twenty-one in this flashback, and you know that twenty-one O is a semi-prominent character in the game right and it's like it's 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 fun right it's like it's it's not necessarily like required for the plot but as a fan it is a fun detail to see right like oh 21 units were always like support units right stuff like Mm -hmm. that and um and again i guess you know this is the part where we finally confirm that we are definitely in a different timeline right because (laughs) anemone does show up prominently in this flashback you know and she dies by the end of the flashback you know, which firmly cements Lily as the, the as the sole survivor of the resistance in this um mm-hmm. this timeline, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this version yeah. of events. Yeah, like yeah, I'm not version one point one a. Yeah, I'm not necessarily yes. sure they're going to play the alternate timeline thing so much as this is just another version of the story. So when they when like, they did the when they were doing the Yorha stage play uh, and like around that time and around when the game came out, they put out multiple different versions of the horror stage play that all had names like 1.1 and all like 1.3 and whatnot that all had minor differences right right of course Mm. um yeah no it it was a good solid episode i think they did a good job of telling covering like a lot of ground in one episode like Mm -hmm. they told a pretty complete story without it feeling you know too lacking um just kind of well made but yeah it, it was Nice to get that kind of filled in, and now you don't have to watch the stage play, I guess. But uh, <laughs> go, you don't have to go find that somewhere. Well, but, it's uh, out there. And then, and then the second of the two episodes, I think again, even if it, you know, the, the second episode is also is is quite plot uh, relevant, right? It, it but mm-hmm. again, the anime does this fun thing of it kind of mixes and remixes like elements of the game. So um, I've not seen this. Of I've not seen this episode. So can you like give me a quick? quick load so, so yeah it's um episode... oh you go ahead Jill. yeah so the, so the second episode it, it you know they have to we have to meet a2 now because yeah. we kind of hinted at that so it's primarily they go to the the forest kingdom sure yes um yeah. and 
I, I don't know if this is kind of what you're getting at, G, but I, I, I guess I appreciate one of the things I've really appreciated about this adaptation is like the changes they do make are definitely like in the service of fitting the medium better. So yeah. like in this episode, I really loved how like the bits with Pascal and like have this sort of anime silliness to them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. But they're very like, it's very, it would not work. It would not fly in the game at all. Right. Right. I mean, like, would yeah, not like match the, the game at all, but it works well in like in, in, in anime yeah, format. Like, right? like the spoiler free version of it is basically Pascal accompanies to be a nine S to the force kingdom. Right. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, like Pascal, basically there's a reason why Pascal needs to be in nine S's help. They need to go to the forest kingdom. And it is basically like the plot of one of the side quests in in near automata that has now been folded yeah, that- into the main plot to justify why they're going to the forest kingdom. Because in the original game, you're just kind of told to go there because Yorha told you to. Right. And there's right. another mission of killing some machines. Or right. And, and in the original game, that plays into the overriding theme that you have no agency, obviously, which is something which works in a um interactive medium but not in a passive one so you know just kind of like finding fresh motivation of folding in some of that side content that's just good writing yeah yeah and uh but but this is kind of like um you know last last time we were talking about the amusement park kind of similar thing here where they they kind of cut through a lot of the stuff that you would just play in the (laughs) game that doesn't make sense for you to yes show on screen in an anime right and kind of just cut right to the point with it and i think it it's probably i mean it's again you can't recreate the game so you know put it in a a way that makes sense in animated form right right Mm -hmm. you know like uh for example they introduced the looter tier in the latest episode of automata (laughs) right and again it's like that thing of like in the original game that's like a side quest right it's like hey go find this damn flower or something right and uh yeah here it again sort of ties into the main plot. Yeah, yeah, and it's just nice um, to hang out with Pascal. Yeah, yeah. the The Pascal stuff again, like, yeah, like you you say, like the, the really anime bit, right? It's like, yeah, there's, there's like a section in that start of that show where it's like it's completely in character in hindsight, but it's like so like weirdly jarring the way Pascal like moves and behaves. Yes. You know that it it almost catches you off guard. <laughs> yeah, you guys will see when I, everybody will see when I pick the header image for this. Episode. <laughs> you probably know which one I'm talking yeah, about. But it's going to so. be from this. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, it's just and and you know when they do get to the parts in the game with A two actually showing up and everything, it 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 works. Yeah, like they they make it work. Uh, you know the the intense uh bit with the the new king and all that and you know, if you play mm-hmm. the game you know what happens at the forest the kingdom king of, right? the, so, the king of the forest kingdom yeah and um yeah it's again yeah. uh it's making it work they just continue to find ways to make this thing work they they, 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 they they've pulled it back they pulled it together somehow yeah <laughs> i'm kind of interested once now that a2 is here are they going to commit to what happens to I guess with the A two and it kind of seems like they might be folding all the loops into one route, right? Like, like well, so yeah, maybe, maybe we'll we'll see because because we're we're get, we're getting to the point where routes have to happen, right? So yeah. like after a force, well, right? 
yeah so um you know what happens when we get to root c and all that like it'll be interesting but you know that's all it, it you know speculation i guess at this point I, based on us playing the game the yeah. only thing uh, is like the only complaint i have and i know it's unlikely given the content of past episodes i do hope emil shows up and he's tuck tuck with like his silly song like it seems kind of unlikely now, yeah i know it? i know but you mm. know let, let me i agree me. yeah i agree but yeah. it seems he, they did have they did have uh, the puppet show. Yes, Emil's puppet show. The puppet show. He, yeah. Emil gets one line yeah. that was pretty funny. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> they're like, "Do you know what night and day is?" And all the robot kids are like, "No." And Emil just chimes, in, "Yes." <laughs> out of nowhere. <laughs> uh, yeah, those puppet shows are also still yes, great. very so, good. Yes. All right. Okay. Well, let's move along and talk about. Uh, Vinland Saga season two. It's good. Our only unironically good show. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's good. I yeah, mean, I, I think we just established that Nier is also pretty good. So, you know, but I will say again, I say this every right. time. Sure. I don't think it's good if you didn't play the game. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, so that's the, that's my caveat on that. Also, that first but, episode is like total dog shit. Like, I can't believe yeah, the that first, first episode, episode was bad. allowed to happen yeah. when the rest of that show is so good. So in Vinland yeah. Saga, uh, uh-huh. you know, Thorfinn and Einar have been clearing away their small little field, uh-huh. uh, you know, in the in the woods to start farming wheat and earn their freedom over time. Yeah, and there's and, you know the the first of these two episodes very much is sort of leaning into like. Thorfinn and Einar's growing friendship, right? Yes. Like an important thing that happens in the first of these two episodes is Thorfinn finally opens up to Einar about his past, about mm-hmm. who Askeladd was. Um, yeah. And, you know, just the two are growing closer. And, you yes. know, like Thorfinn is very much beginning to get into that question of like, can I be reborn? Can I be fixed as a person? Right. Mm hmm. Because like every you know, like Einar has said, like you're you're like a child who doesn't know anything. Because right, Thorfinn is well, has only known killing, uh, and so s- simple things like the wheat sprouting are like revelatory to him. Uh, but the uh, the jerk retainers on the farm are tired of those uppity slaves. And go and they sneak in and mess up the whole field. They uh, uh, dig up all the wheat, all the fresh wheat, and ruin yes, it. they they sabotage their fields uh, and you know, destroy the roots specifically, so that the entire wheat crop is ruined for this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so Thorfinn and Einar get into a scuffle with those guys. They sure do, yes. And so for the first the time... time for, all, is, it, is it the time for farming is over now? Is that well, we this is the first time in all of season two that Thorfinn attacks somebody, right? Like this right. entire season, Thorfinn has been passive or he has, you know, been on the defensive. This is the first time when these freedmen are, you know, talking about like, you know, these slaves don't know their place, their wheat is you know the, the weed of slaves wouldn't even taste good anyway so really we're doing so, everybody a favor by turning right, it up that Thorfinn finally attacks a person you yeah. know and just like decks a guy 
Yeah, anger. breaks his right. jaw, and the two get into this big old fist fight with the freedmen, right? And as a result, uh, Dorfin gets knocked unconscious. And that's where we yeah. get into the second of these two episodes, which is maybe <laughs> this is the specific episode that I, th- as far as like two years ago, when I first started talking about what uh, the Vinland okay, Saga yeah. anime could be. Right. This is the episode I was alluding to mm-hmm. all those years ago. <laughs> yes. Thorfinn is... goes on like a sort of vision quest, basically, of remembering his father and the lessons his father tried to impart on him and that how... He did not listen to. That he didn't listen to and just went completely counter to and he falls into this great pit into a some sort of hellish version of Valhalla right where everybody is just constantly murdering each other in this gross cesspit uh, yeah like it is it is it is intended to like read as Valhalla in the sense that ah these are warriors who, you know who in death now get to fight forever but the warriors are portrayed as like gaunt desiccated corpses with rictus grins laughing endlessly you know, as mm-hmm. they just like brutally cut each other down and commit all sorts of like, right. you know, obscene violence upon each other. Yep. And Askeladd is here as well. And, you know, what tells Thorfinn to uh, shape up, I guess. Well, yeah, well, basically. A little. It's I like, mean, it, it, there's more than that, of course. Yeah, yeah. like the, the idea is that Thorfinn you know, in this dream, is hanging off the precipice of a cliff. He's about Mm -hmm. to fall into the pool with the rest of the warriors fighting, right? And Askeladd basically tells Thorfinn, like, damn, kid, you were given a chance to get out of this. You know how rare that is for people who kill for a living? Mm -hmm. Like, do you understand this rare privilege that you have been Mm -hmm. handed? You know, like, most of us... Yeah, like, most of us do this till we die, right? Like, that's all that's left for us, right? Maybe one out of a million of us gets to go down in history as a great warrior, and the rest of us are just meat for the pile. But you, you who has done acts just as evil as the rest of us, have been given a chance to be different. Are you going to take that chance, or are you going to give up here and now and fall into the abyss like the rest of us? And... Thorfinn realizes nothing he does for the rest of his life will ever absolve him of the actions he has already committed. He has killed innocent people. He has cut down men in the prime of their lives. Nothing he does going forward will bring those people back to life. But he is still alive, and he still has a chance to be different, to make the world a different place. And as someone who has the... Yeah, and he must keep climbing. Yes, he must climb out of the abyss. And yeah, then he wakes up from his, his dream. <laughs> and In the, on with, the road, yeah. Yeah, with Einar as his witness, Dorfin swears to pacifism from here on out. That he will never harm another person again. That he will uphold the lessons his father taught him all the way back mm-hmm. in the first episode of season one. I am hammering then, the X button for doubt here. We'll see, you know, we'll see. but yeah, this is the, this is the oath he has sworn that he will 
he will not resort to violence, that he will live by his father's uh, mantra, which is that nobody in the world is your enemy, that no one in this world intrinsically has to die. And this is a message that Thorfinn will now struggle greatly to live up to going forward. And, you know, he, the, uh, and as as a sort of karmic reward, you know, they're they're brought forth to the master for the brawl, uh, and but uh, their their buddy Pater, who is a former slave, investigated and found evidence that uh, the retainers did tear up the field. And so while while they are not punished, neither are Thorfinn and Einar. Uh, and so best they could hope for at that point pretty much yeah and uh uh, yeah back to work (laughs) yep you know i mean that's a thing right uh, they've lost lost their farm they've lost their harvest for the year like they have a hard road ahead of time to cut down some more trees for next time this is what this is what it means to live in this era to be a slave in this era yeah and next week looks like it's back to canoe so yeah anyway sorry gel what were you gonna say yeah no i i just i just think it's cool that to make that the way that it seems like the story like actually progresses and yeah it's... you're actually getting real like dramatic character development right you're yeah. not is it's not a formulaic <laughs> you know episode to episode type of thing right like, and like and it takes know... long enough that it feels meaningful too right it's right not, yes. it's not like so like it's not like he had this epiphany at the end of season one, right? Yeah, or you, yeah. I, I feel like a lot of shows would do that, like on episode two or something, right? Like, mm-hmm. and then that would be like the point of the show. Sometimes but you do because time to make these things mm-hmm. really ring true, right? Yeah. yeah, because they've put invested so much time in it, and I, I understand it's kind of a double edged sword because on one hand, it's good for you know the 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 story building and the character development, but maybe it makes it harder for people to get invested in it. Cause you got to wait so long. Right. But makes me more. It's, it, it seems like it's worth it. Right. In this yeah. case. So. Really I definitely think so. Yeah. They, I, I'm really happy with how well they pulled off this episode because this is like a pivotal moment in the story. You know, this is mm-hmm. a, yeah. Again, you get a, you know, get, get a few of those frames that are like, Oh, they <laughs> almost traced the manga panel for this yep, one. Yep. A lot, the a shading looks completely different. Uh, yeah, a lot of votes in this episode was like, oh yeah, <laughs> that's a manga panel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, All right. Ugh. Well, yeah. that sounds like that continues to be good then. It is. Yeah. Good wow. to hear. And let's uh, move along uh, to Tomo-chan as a girl. G, anything going on? Is Tomo-chan this, still uh, a girl? She no, don't indeed. say it. No, so I'm going to do it every time. Um, I, I mean, I, I was going to do it if he didn't. So. so I think Tomo is... The show is hitting its breaking point now of like, okay, we can't like... Can't drag this out any longer. We can't drag this out anymore. Like, a confession's got to happen, right? Because um, is this... Is this the this is this this may be the only time and this may be the only anime romance plot I can think of in which a Nintendo DS plays a pivotal role uh, hmm. in the okay. in the plot. Um, I was about. I, I, to, I'm I, thinking I, of PSPs. I'm thinking. Yeah, of I was. <laughs> I was about to say Sayron, but that's a PSP. Sayron uh, had the 32x. Yeah. God, uh, it sure yeah. did. Um, Sayron. But uh, yeah, it's I can't think of a DS sort of... though. It might be the yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the 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 TLDR is basically um, 
Okay, so th- here's the thing about the childhood friends episode that like I didn't get into that I didn't think was necessary to bring up like episodes ago, right? Is like the whole like why is June like want to like live up to Tomo's expectations so bad, right? And it's because uh, uh, he she he he lent her his DS uh, when she was like injured, you know, she broke a leg or something, right? And she couldn't go out and play like she always does, right? He's like, here you can play my DS, I guess, and. You know, playfully, teasingly, she did not return it and said, you know, the day you become a man who can surpass me, I'll I'll return the DS to you. Right. Wow. And um, it's been like 10 years since then. (laughs) And uh, she's finally returned the DS. But of course, to her, she doesn't remember that. She doesn't remember that absurd thing she said as a child. She's just like. Oh yeah, bro. Whoa, look. I still have your DS. Might be. Uh, hey, here you go, man. Like, sorry about. Yeah. I totally forgot about it. This is and this is perhaps it's... the least realistic thing in the show so far because if you had forgotten to give back a DS after six years, you wouldn't return it. You would just pretend <laughs> that it had gone forever. Come on, let's be honest here. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, but he, of course, he took it as the big. Oh my god, yes. she's acknowledging me as a man. Yes, exactly. Right. And now June yeah. is like, shit, I have no more excuses. Like, I can't pretend that, like, this isn't, like, I can't pretend that I'm still, like, I still don't meet her expectations. That I, I, I still haven't met her standards of what a man is. I, I, She has recognized me as a man, and now I have to confess. And it's like, you sure better, because we've been dragging this out for, like, 11 episodes, and, uh... I don't know how much more blood you can squeeze from this stone at this it's, point. <laughs> so, so realistically, what are the odds that it happens? I think it has, like, dude. If they don't, okay. If they don't and, by the end of and, this, and by season, that I mean, by that I mean, it actually happens, and they both understand the meaning of the words, which I have okay, to specify. I, all right, these. fine. <laughs> I, I will say that there's that. I, I will say I would bet on it, if only because the other episode of these two is about uh, one of the supplementary couples finally confessing to each other and hooking up. And okay, so sure. that almost feels like a... Like, yes, yes, we know we're supposed to move this along. Like, all right, let's 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 get let's get these couples, like, hooked up, you know, sort of Pressure's thing. Pressure's on. Yeah. Yeah. But, all right. I don't know. We'll see. Well, there's a reason why Kaguya-sama's the goat. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yep. All right, um, yeah. let's talk about the Fire Hunter, which we didn't have last time, yeah. but uh, you guys are still watching. We are. Yeah. Um, no, you go either. It exists. It's gotten a little harder to follow. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say that the the recent episodes, they've really struggled to kind of like translate the very what I would imagine is like very exposition heavy, dense storytelling of the source novel. It feels like they're laboring through a lot of stuff which they have to just come out and say because they can't find a way to integrate it. it in. Yeah. Do you, do you think that's a product of bad directing or is it the shoddy uh, technical quality which we talked about? It, it's nothing before. to do with the shoddy technical quality. You know, honestly, like. 
there's been less action in these episodes, and so the shoddy technical quality has not really been a huge issue mm. most of the time. Oh, okay, but but right. it does feel like it, it feels like a lack of grace, if you know what I mean. There mm. are things happening; they're they're technically interesting, but like they're they're told, like I said, inelegantly. The the storytelling comes in like bumps and lumps, and and as a result, things are happening, but we're not really clear why and there's not really a lot of drama in the happening right i don't don't feel like i don't have context for like why some of these things happening matters uh right yes and i don't like have that much attachment to the characters yeah what's going on is they they've managed toko the child who has trying to return the sickle and dog to the capital and her little entourage of another village girl an injured mechanic and the hot lady fire hunter um they've arrived in the capital so toko is trying to return and find where she can return the dog to uh in the capital <clears throat> meanwhile the the other guy is doing research on lightning sky fire and such and uh there's still the rebellion thing happening with the spider clan and it's revealed that the spider clan has figured out how to utilize fire without you know burning alive uh they can use real fire that seems like a big deal yeah uh and they're trying to do something they're, I guess that that instruction's probably happening yeah the, part of the problem is that the the motivations of everyone involved are kind of murky and that's deliberate because like it's it's meant to be part of the shroud of mystery that surrounds these sort of divine tribes but it it just kind of feels that everything is a bit muddy Mm. and unclear as well you know like we we're not I, i think like a good mystery like breadcrumbs you little bits of you know, clues and story to try and lead you on into trying to figure it out. This just kind of feels that like a lot of things are happening without context out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not fatal. It's not, uh, yeah, it doesn't make the thing unwatchable or anything, but, but there's, it does just kind of feel like the show is flailing a little bit. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it's clear that the comet or, the millennial comet or whatever they call it is, is some kind of man-made satellite uh or yeah i mean we've Earth. been shown we've been shown blatant shots of it it's a space mm. station or something yeah, like that which supposedly contains like i don't know the key to everything uh right whoever what it's like whoever brings it down becomes the king of the fire hunters something, something like, like that. that yeah yeah and, and, yes uh, and it's like yeah i mean I'll, I'll watch to the end at this point but it's like, I the show hasn't been very good like... at, at making things seem dramatic. Like, there's not been a good build up to mm-hmm. to make us excited about these things. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like just from listening, the first couple of episodes had a sort of like I don't know, sense of mystery or something to them, and now it's like maybe they're not. Dude, now they're just kind of throwing everything out at you now. Kind of, know, yeah. There's, but... there's still some mystery, but again, you know, it it just feels like. It feels like they know they have an episode count and they know things have to happen. So they're kind of just doling out exposition in big lumps 
at this point. Yeah. And, you know, that works. And like I said, I still think the show is perfectly functional. It hasn't like degraded into being unwatchable, but it, but it feels clumsy and it feels, I, I keep saying it, inelegant, you know, it, it, right. it feels holding, artificial. Holding it back from like being like, yeah. Yeah, with some, really good. With something right. like this, you really want to be immersed in the world, and and you're just too 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 often aware of like the the artificiality of it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess we'll see if they what they do with that, but uh, we'll move on to Buddy Daddies. Buddy daddies. How are these daddies doing? How are the All right, are the so... Buddy Daddies? First up, they got hit with a, a recap episode. Oh, baby. Oh, boy. So only one new episode uh, since we last talked. And if you recall, when we left off, they did the tragic backstories of the Buddy Daddies. Right, yes. Ending with essentially a hit going out on the blonde guy and the little girl from the, the, the dark hair guy's dad. Uh, to take them out so that he can go back to his being the his right the rightful heir of the assassin kingdom or whatever right sure they just kind of ignore that for this episode oh. <laughs> well. just, which is both good and bad because it was good because it actually ended up being a good standalone episode but also bad because like you guys know your life is in danger right you're doing absolutely nothing about <laughs> it like they don't acknowledge it or anything uh you know, uh, Ray, the dark hair guy, just goes back to back home, and now he's like trying to put more effort into being a good dad. And uh, it's pretty, it's a pretty great episode. It's field day at school, and the little girl is training for mm-hmm. her her race. And there's some funny bits where, like, uh, you know, they they have to use their skills here. So, um, one of them is they get word that. Uh, the the area for the parents gets really crowded really fast, so you have to like stake out an area real quick, that, like before people, you know, eat up the, the the real estate. Basically, you know, people putting down their picnic blankets around the track and everything. So, uh, the uh, Ray, the, the he goes out in the middle of the night in like full camo and everything, and you see him like setting something up, but you don't really know what he's doing. And the next morning when they show up, you see that he put down a picnic blanket, but then surrounded it with like barbed wire and like claymores and stuff like that. <laughs> sure. It's like, we will get our spot. And then the uh, the, the blonde guy, Kazuki, later, he's like pulling out his like crazy huge uh, telephoto lens, the surveillance camera thing to take pictures uh, while she's like running around the track and stuff. So it's all very good and sweet. And, you know, there's not really too much more to say about it. I mean, that's the stuff I like when the show does those kinds of things. Yeah, um, it's almost like a lot of these shows would benefit greatly from having focusing more on the ep- fun <laughs> episodic stuff instead of getting yes. into the plot. <laughs> and um, they do finally, at the very end post-credits, remind us that, oh, the handler guy has been hired to kill them. And it's almost the exact same thing where we left off the episode before where he's like looking at a picture of them and they're like, yeah, you got to kill them. Don't forget. And it's like, okay, well, we just did not acknowledge that for one whole episode, but sure. That just kind of um, seems like a sequencing problem, right? Like if you just put this episode earlier in the sequence, then you avoid yeah, the problem entirely. And I don't know. I don't know what happened. Maybe something happened when they had to do the recap episode that messed things up. I don't know. It was, it was a little weird. Um, that they just like 
because they the dark hair guy knows they're coming to kill him like because he, he like basically left like he abandoned the thing so like the fact that he doesn't like try to do something to like get everybody to safety or whatever is very weird to me so on the one hand it was a fun episode on its own on the other hand it was weird how it kind of fit in the grand scheme of things but other than that you know it was just the one episode so not too much more to say and yeah, I guess we'll see I mean they're going to have to get back to the serious stuff at some point so we'll see all right well gee i'm assuming you were alluding to high card yeah don't worry uh, gel high card got ahead of you there and was like what if we just started the serious plot now Mm -hmm. yeah so Um, you know last time we were saying we felt like we're trending in the right direction yeah the silliness of the episode with them holding hands for the whole episode and fun times all around and then they're like no we're gonna burn down an orphanage (laughs) i cannot believe they literally burned down an orphanage in this show and like that should be hilarious like that right, like yeah. that's what drives me crazy about this right there's a way like, to sell this where it's like right. ha ha burning down the orphanage right. i can't like, believe ha- they played like little bullied orphan boy completely 100 so, straight like, it's so i can't believe the show man marble dude comes back and it's not even that good yes yep. although like, i will dude- say that he's his costume that looks like he's a chicken drumstick who's been dunked in gravy pretty good um, yeah, I, don't, I still don't I, understand that. I still but don't understand the intent of his. Could get a new like, suit, or I don't know, but but uh, yeah, yeah. It just it kind of sucks because it's just like it's doing all the things that we feared would happen, right? Like you know, it's like you know that these shows always do, right? Of oh, the middle episodes are fun and episodic, and you know, having a good time, and then oh, now it's episode eight or nine. It's time for the plot to begin, and it's like. Does it really? And, it, it, and, and it's it's like it's not like they spent a lot of time building up to this, under them like kind of right. vaguely alluding to Finn was an orphan or whatever, and that he was sending money back to the orphanage. But we've never seen any like connection to that or any like. Well, we don't, or at least not in, enough to where we, we actually also, feel. We also, more confusingly, we get confirmation that episode that Finn is not sending money to the orphanage. Or was going to was saving money to send to them to or something, do it, right? but yeah. had not actually done it yet, which is like, what well, whatever, for, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a little but, strange. Yeah. There's a whole like <laughs> but, wacky. Go ahead, Iro. Like, there's a whole sequence where like Chris is, has to give Finn the pep talk or whatever, right? And about like because I'm your buddy. Uh, when was that in the, the first or the second episode? That was the second they kind episode, of yeah. they kind of blend right, together. Okay, yeah, they're, they're they're all kind but of it's like, hand in hand, but yeah. Speaking to the problems we've been talking about, it's like they didn't have there's they didn't spend any time building up that relationship. So yeah, it's like, like it just comes out of nowhere. Right. It's like, are you good friends? Like I don't know. Like the show has you know. The show is- I mean, you held hands for a day and ate beans <laughs> out of a can. I don't know if that makes you best friends, yeah. but like it's again, it is any of the promise of the ED is failed by the show itself, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. these people are not actually comrades. Like they are at best friendly coworkers. I mean, a bunch of them like, have not like the other three have barely appeared. Like, yeah, like yes. like I I continue to be confused how plant like every every character got their their focus episode except Plant Guy apparently. <laughs> Right, but uh, yeah, it's just like yeah, it's just the show is not equipped to like 
become more serious, but this is what this is what we're doing now, right? Like, you know, the second episode, right? Like, oh, Finn's like in depression mode because oh no, he found out the truth that uh, you know, he wasn't a berserker orphanage. from Fight Zero who killed his parents. Yeah, basically, <laughs> right? And they, you know, I can't take it seriously because of that. He looks exactly like Berserker. It's, it's, it's very silly, and it's like. <laughs> Yeah, it just it just doesn't really work, right? And you know, you, and they're you, try, I think they're trying to build it as some kind of thing where he's the prince, right? Or yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely the implication. Which like, I don't care at all. Yeah, like not the slightest bit. Then and then we meet like two more of the like you know Lupin assassin baddies, right? And like mm-hmm. they have the least interesting bad guy powers I've so ever boring. seen. Like they're like so is like ha ha I can make I can metal bend but I do it in the most boring way imaginable and the other guy's like I can throw really big rocks uh-huh. <laughs> and <laughs> I have a cool beard yes and it's like really like at least because the thing is at least with marble dude marble is a I mean turning things into marbles is just a fun messed up power right like and it's also right. visually spectacular to be yeah, like throwing like, these like supersonic marbles or like whatever. metal and earth like really dude like that's <laughs> that's all you got huh it's dull yeah 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 i think that's the big problem it's just kind of dull like, yeah. like it's it's not goofy or campy enough to be a comedy, and it's not trying to be one. But like, it's not interesting or serious enough to be like a drama, and it's not cool enough to be cool. Yeah, like it's, <laughs> no, no, it's, it's not cool enough to like skate by purely on the strength of the action. And I kind of hate everyone in this show as well. Like, mm, yeah, kind of, yeah, well. Like especially um, Finn and Chris, like that they're, they're just so generic. Yeah, there's nothing like, like yeah, there's nothing like not special hard, about yeah. their personality or anything. Because, yeah. like, Even their powers are boring, like Well, that's a thing. There is there is potential, right? And I think that's the thing that makes it disappointing, right? Like I keep thinking back to the joke when their hands are stuck together where Chris is like he grabs a steak knife and he's like, Alright, fuck it, let me try this. Right? Right. And it's <laughs> like Cut his hand off, arm off. You yeah. can do that. Because he can regenerate, and it's like, I'm so surprised this show gave us a character who specifically cannot be killed, and did not play more into, like, black physical comedy. Give us a sequence where, like, to get through an air vent or something, he has to cut his head off or something. Right, like, Like, I wanted the, the, like, they're at, like, the top floor of a skyscraper, and the bad guy is, like, running out the lobby, and he's just like, alright, I'll see you guys in, like, five minutes. And just like jumps off the side, yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> like, uh, like, yeah. yeah. It's it's not a, that's the thing. I don't think his power is a boring power. It can actually be a really funny power if no, used well. You're you're absolutely right, but it is presented in an extremely boring. Yes, manner. that is the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we're so deep into this at this point. I don't think yeah, we're gonna. We might as well ride it out, but you know, uh, it has I mean, we'll ride it out, been. but. But you know the the kind of glimpses of fun we had last time. I think that's going to be yeah. that's not we're not going to see that's not the norm, right? That's going to be the exception. Maybe, maybe but, Wendy will do something problematic again. 
Also, like, I, can I keep hope. coming back to, like, like the plot of the latest episodes is like, oh, you know, the Klondike family is stepping it up, so now we need to retrieve all the cards that have a known location. I'm like, you didn't fucking do this already? You're agents of the state. Just, like, <laughs> yeah, good requisition point. them. Like, yeah, like literally wait. just go in there with a warrant. What the hell? Yeah. Yeah. Stolen I mean, like, it's like the very weird thing, right, of like, oh, well, there's only five of us. And it's like, yeah, but, like, Right. It's know. like they want it to be like the secret agent thing, except then it's you also, not. yeah, it yeah. doesn't but also, work. But you're right. Well, that's the thing, right? It's like, oh, there's only five of us, but also isn't this like a matter of like national security? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you, you can't get right. more budget for more secret agents? <laughs> yeah. Also, like, all, like, it means they're cops, and like, it's well, kind yes. of hard to root for cops. <laughs> I mean, this is the this is the thing at the end of the day of this style of story, right? Is yeah. like you either have to be, you know, an arm of the state, or you have to be like, you know, gray gray market like individuals, right? Like blood blockade battlefront, where it's like, are they criminals? Not necessarily They're a keeping organization. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, something like that. You know, they're, oh, no, show they're not the, the actual good guys, cops. but they are not like part yeah. of the state. They're just right independent. The show does have the, it's like, <laughs> I don't know. The show does have the actual yeah. cops, right? Yes, uh, which they're all we, like we, mech we did, suits, right? We well, we did get another about... appearance. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about did... Blood Blockade Battlefront. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, yeah, still yeah. talking about High Card. Still talking about, but I'm still actually talking about High Card. We did get we did get the appearance of the. Overzealous detective lady, and oh, yeah, right. which adds there. nothing to the plot whatsoever. It, like her yeah, it is. It's just weird because, like, what's the what was the point of that episode where she gets traumatized by discovering the truth when she hasn't been relevant since? Yeah, she yeah, she shows up like once in this episode to be like, "I will find the truth" or whatever, and I'm like, "I nobody cares. Sure, not doing anything, not yeah. adding anything." Mm-hmm. So just disappointing Ugh. all around, wasted yes. potential. Yep. Blah blah blah. I, I'm not going to say, speaking of wasted potential, but let's go to... Um, mm. Oh, I was about to say that, but that's fine. But uh, yeah, Trigun Stampede. Uh, you know, I stopped watching, so you guys can say whatever you want. So, uh, Trigun Stampede, how how are we uh, looking on that? It's You're sort of collapsing, I feel the like. The only people I have seen talking about Trigun are, like, the people who are shipping Vash and Knife furiously together. Like... That is oh, the, it's only... the '90s all over again. Yeah, but like that, <laughs> that's the only that is the only group of people I know who are like still into Trigun Stampede. As far as I'm, I'm seeing, all... less and less people talking yeah. about it for sure. I would say to your point, to Zig. About. I don't know. Go yeah, ahead. that that would almost make sense because boy, well, actually, no, it does. I was about to say the anime really ratchets up the knives Vash stuff, but the manga does that by the end too. So I would actually say that's par for the course for Trigun. Sure. <laughs> But Iro, right. as you were saying, right. it's like we got we get to July for this thing, and it's just like we start having stuff sort of just happens, and then people move on, and then something else happens in a in a really like sort of disjointed way. Yes, where I'm like, because it's like Fashion Wolfwood show up in July, and like then the like the cops are coming after them or whatever, right? And they get chased for a while. And Wolfwood's like, I'm going to kill all of these guys. And Vash says, don't shoot them. And then one of them shoots Vash. And then all the cops just walk away. What? 
(laughs) and Vash and Dives crawl into the sewer or or whatever. Yeah, yeah, sorry. It it gets very confusing because the thing that I think what's actually happening is the people working on this show realized, oh crap, there is a checklist of things you are supposed to do in a Trigun story. And mm-hmm. we have not hit all of them yet, so now we need to cram like six of them into this episode. But we're not going to do any of the work to tie them together in like an organic or sensible way. Yeah, because like the whole point of that shot, the whole point of that scene where Vash gets shot, is so that we can do the famous scene where Vash takes his shirt off, and you see all of his like really gross-looking scars and like cybernetic implants over the years of like you know. You know, the whole idea, right? Like, ah, like, Vash has lived a long and hard life, right? Like, Mm -hmm. he has been hurt by so many people in his, like, quest to, like, protect the human race. And, you know, Wolfwood is meant to be there to be, like, you know, are those scars worth it? You know, like, was it worth, like, Mm -hmm. enduring this much pain and suffering? Except it's just, like, like, they just, like, drop it and say, here you go, uh, let's move on to this other thing. Right, that's the thing. They just kind of shoot very matter-of-factly. Like, and then we just move on to the next important scene that the story feels like it has to cover. Yeah, it's like Meryl and Roberto, who got kidnapped by... I was going to say, is he still alive? Not by the end of this episode. episode. Oh, okay. guess what he does? He gives Mm -hmm. his Derringer to Meryl, as we all called, like, eight episodes ago. And, like, that's the other thing. Like, stuff like that doesn't hit either, because it it was so obvious what was going to happen that, like... Mm -hmm. Yeah, no shit, this dude is going to die. Like... And it's not like, um... It's not like they spent. I mean, I don't feel like they even got a lot of screen time to begin with, and like I didn't care about that guy. I mean, like I, I didn't feel like invested in his I character mean, or anything. Like it's it's even worse than that because since he's replacing a fan favorite character in Millie, arguably they have to overcompensate and give him like they have to endear him to the audience even more. And you know they would have had to done mm-hmm. have done extra. It's just like um, he's just like. He was just like you know stereotypical crusty old guy, you know and, the, yeah. the that that gets. But he and he only got like 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 one line of epi- one or two lines an episode, right? Like it's not yeah, even and like, like it's he was really weird that because like the character, like, like his role is basically to be the cynic to Meryl's idealist, right? Right. But the problem is that in the original work, that's just Wolfwood's job, right? Wolfwood is just the party cynic. He is the and so it's like you have two characters who are trying to like out cynic each other right <laughs> right it's, it yeah. it uh it, it just doesn't really i mean Memo you know? and millie are more like the greek chorus in the original yes, they're yes. kind of like the audience surrogate to a certain extent yeah. and i don't know it's like yeah you know they're like they're, they, they introduce another member of the gung-ho guns you know i i i can't really get into the details of this character because like mm-hmm. it's it, it would just require too much like explanation but just the adaptation of that character in this show is very weird and i don't mean that just in the they changed it and it's bad but like this character is like very very important in the original story and it almost just feels like, oh shit, yeah, that character has to show up here. Okay, well, here they are. Bye bye. Uh, okay, that that fight's over. All right, we got to move on to the next plot point. And it's like, wait, what? Like, yep. oh, okay. Like, <laughs> barely spent any time with that character. And it's the thing of like, again, I'm not just saying that it's bad because oh, they changed it, but it's like they introduce a character, 
they appear for like two minutes and then right. they're gone again. And if you're someone who's not familiar with the source material, you probably just go, "Why was that character even right introduced like, in the first?" They're just place? trying. They're trying to like establish that what knives is working on a way to create more plants or something, yes. and then they just move on. Uh, and it's like they're so concerned about like fast forwarding to the final confrontation <clears throat> between Vash and Knives that every other part of the plot suffers as a result. Yeah, which is w- weird because like again, I've only seen the old anime, so I can't speak to the manga. But like Trigun is very much a journey, not destination thing, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like, like, look, like I know there's some people who are like really into the Knives Vash conflict. I mean, I. I, I said when this when we talked about this show in the beginning that I never thought Knives was the most interesting character. I stand by that, you know. So, like, the fact that they're kind of just sidelining all, like, the weird Western, like, tomfoolery shit to get to, like, the sci-fi stuff is, is not not encouraging to me. Yeah, you know, that I, the... As you say, yeah, like, I, I could confirm, like... This show has not cracked a joke in like, <laughs> yeah, five episodes. That was, that was probably the number one reason I dropped it. It was it's... so deadly serious after a couple episodes, and I'm like, and I just did not care. And I'm like, you right. promised me in the beginning, like the first episode has some fun in it. Like yes. you promised me that this was going to be fun, and I am having no fun right now. And it sounds like that's just continuing as they're trying to hit all the plot points, right? So yeah, yeah. Well, it's a shame. It begs the question once again of like, who is this thing for? But yeah, I that's the thing that I struggle with because I'm increasingly convinced this show was made exclusively for people who are fans of the original because these plot points are like they're incomprehensible to someone who hasn't even read the manga. But even to someone who has, it, it, it elevates them to like Percival. But like, okay, like, like that kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, it's it's it's, yeah. it's so weird because like they'll drop a name, and yeah. I as a manga reader will go, "Oh fuck, that's him," and then they'll just move on. They won't explain who that guy is. They won't say yeah. why that man that name is important. They're just like, "My name is so and so." And I mean, I mean that, that, that hate- might work if you're planning for like a like a seven season American. Yeah, like maybe, <laughs> but, but like- it's like, and, and they'll hang on the they'll hang a beat just long enough that I think they want you to like go. Oh man, it's him. It's but the guy. It, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's like, it, that doesn't work for new viewers, and the yeah. changes they've made to the plot don't really work for old viewers, old fans either. It's. Yeah, it's, it's kind of caught in a no man's land. Aha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What I mean. Well, we'll finish, but maybe I should have gone with the speaking of disappointments or whatever uh, intro. I don't know, but uh, yeah, that's too bad because you know they're they're trying so hard to make it look nice and everything, and just going to waste. Yeah, I mean, but, on on a technical level, Orange continues to do what they do best. Mm-hmm. Um, just yeah. yeah i don't i mean maybe that's enough for all right some people you know maybe maybe yeah. like i want the thing i remember to look pretty now maybe that's enough but mm. <laughs> yeah i don't know all right well i think that'll do it for this episode then 
So Mm -hmm. we'll wrap up with our housekeeping. You can check us out at theglorioblog.com where you can read both Ira's review of Witch on the Holy Night slash Mahoyo and uh, Zig's post about the new Sentai show, which I'm not going to try to say again. Uh, I am going to try and write a review for Metroid Prime Remastered as well, but that might take a bit. Okay. Well, not currently on the blog as of us (laughs) recording, but keep an eye out for that. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter, still at the Glorio blog, and on co-host at Glorio. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean, Stitcher, and of course YouTube, where you can like, comment, subscribe, ring that bell, all those good things. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, and we'll catch up right next time. Love and peace.